Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Time. There's nothing more valuable. It's what drives everyone to make the most of every moment. We celebrate living large in the now. In a city where time disappears, we create experiences that electrify the soul and memories that will last forever. We go big, we go all night, and here, everyone is invited. So get loose and get loud. This is Circa. You'll have the time of your life. This is the Arash Markazi Show on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio. Welcome to the Arash Markazi Show presented by the Sporting Tribune on the Mightier 1090 in Southern California, the fan in Las Vegas and the Hawaii Sports Radio Network. I'm joined as always by G. Hey Wiley and Brandon Deutsch. How are we doing, folks? You know, great now that you're in the studio finally. Um, Happy New Year, Arash. How was your New Year? Your... It was good. Yeah, you know what? It feels good to be back here. It's been a crazy holiday season where I was in Vegas, uh, that I was in Texas for the Cotton Bowl, and just, uh, you know, not in studio, but happy to be back with you guys. I mean, I wish the Cotton Bowl would have turned out a little bit differently. (laughs) Uh, We have to talk about that a little bit just because, I I mean, I I still can't believe how they blew a 15-point lead with four minutes left. But, Brandon, you warned me that this defense was going to be bad. I didn't think it would be historically bad. It is a historically bad bad defense. Yeah, I know we discussed this over the past couple of days. I, in Arash and I, we were, we were just talking about this before the show. As bad as this defense is, and yeah, a lot of it is on the defense, but I didn't expect them to be fantastic. What I expected to happen is on fourth and two, when you're up by 14 or seven points, you have momentum on your side, you go for it. You don't kick a field goal and miss, which puts Tulane back in the game. They were dead in the water. Same thing happened in Utah in the first time they played them. Dead in the water. You're up 28 to 14. You have a chance to go up by three scores. You kick a field goal. You miss, right? I mean, this is like multiple situations. And then, of course, the safety situation we were just talking about. You keep running. Like, Caleb's not going to get sacked. You know, throw the ball away or find a quick little... It's just, to me, it's like, yes, it's on Grinch, and he's terrible, and he's like the worst defensive coordinator in football, but he's not going anywhere. Yeah, you know. in in the column that I did for the uh, Tribune, I mean, I I probably should have talked about all that was wrong with that last sequence of games. I mean, first of all... uh, you got to know where you are. If you're doing a kick return or a punt return, I mean, what are you even doing at the one yard line trying to catch a ball at the one yard? I mean, it makes no sense. I've always said I am of the belief, plant your feet at the 10 yard line. And listen, if it, there's n- nothing good that can come of you trying to touch the ball like inside the five. And even worse, touch the ball at the one, fumbles it out. That run play at the one yard line made no sense. And then to follow that up with another run play made even more. I mean, it, it was two of the worst calls. Again, you want to call Lincoln Riley an offensive genius, and he is. Listen, I mean, the, this team has been amazing. Caleb Williams, Heisman Trophy winner, one of the best offenses in the league. But two run plays right up the middle when you're back inside the one-yard line. Uh, and at that point, the game totally changed, obviously. I mean, and, and then... And then the school was out, but here's what I say about this USC defense. They pretend to be good just long enough to help them lose. I mean, here's the thing. If you're <laughs> yeah. going to be bad, just give up a 60-yard touchdown, yeah. fall behind by one point, give the ball back to Caleb Williams, yeah. and I promise you with two minutes left, you have a You'll chance win to win the game. the game. But then to, you know, 
to to force a fourth and ten, and then you give up a first down, and then you 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 you're just good enough to by the time Tulane scores, and then we touched on it. This was the situation with Utah during the season. You burn so much clock. And then they finally score, and they win the game, and Caleb has no chance. And, and he's this, got like this two happened, seconds. This happened twice, but you take twice the good with the bad. Obviously, Lincoln, yeah. for the most part, is the best play caller in the country. But then there's those, like I mentioned, the same thing as the Utah game. You have yeah. momentum. You kick a field goal. You try to kick a field goal on fourth and two or fourth and one. Yeah. You have the best player in the country. You don't think he's going to get you two yards? Yeah. And if you don't, you take the gamble. You have to take that gamble when you have momentum on the side. It happened to Utah. That's how Utah got back in the game. They were dead in the water in Utah. I at home. So was, so was, yeah, GA, you wanted to add something? No, no, I just wanted to ask you a question. I feel like you're damned if you do, you're damned if you don't. So if he went for it on that fourth and two. I mean, if he, you know he doesn't, I respect it. it. Okay. I respect okay. it because their field goal kicker is not that good. It's a little bit like Brandon Staley, right? Where like, yeah. you know, right, and, right. And the, the most fascinating thing is for whatever reason, at the end of the game, when they scored the, when they kicked the field goal to go up 15, and that was the smart play. A part of Lincoln Riley was seriously considering going for it. And a part of that is because he has no trust in the defense, which I don't get the attachment to Grinch. Grinch was his defensive coordinator with the Sooners since 2019. They've not been together forever. Maybe they're good friends. I mean, I'm sure they are. But at some point in time, the proof is in the pudding. The the defense that he had previously when he was at Oklahoma was one of the worst in the country. And that continues. So, I mean, it was the one thing that they said about Lincoln Riley when he came here. Well, they said two things. He said, listen, you're going to have a great offense. You're going to have a quarterback who's up for the Heisman. Two things, though. You're going to have a terrible defense. If you win games, it'll be 45, 48 to 45 or something like that. And look out for the way that they perform in big bowl games. Now Lincoln Riley is 1-4 in, in bowl games. And, and, and so, listen, it, it's continued of course, I would rather have this than the situation yeah. that they had with Clay Helton. <laughs> Obviously, that goes without saying. But that being said, when you put yourself in a position going into the Pac-12 championship game, when you were one win away from being in the college football playoffs, you're one of the top four teams in the country, and you lose like that, you lose back-to-back games. Not only that, guys, they, they, they gave up 93 points over those two games. It's, it's ridiculous. So... Okay, I, I had to put the bow on that. I know that that happened a couple, couple of days ago, but I've been holding on to that. In good news, however, the Lakers have won three straight amazingly last night against the Miami Heat with Dennis Schroeder having uh, the best night that he's had this season. They've won three games in a row. No LeBron James. And Anthony Davis is obviously still out, but there's a light at the end of the tunnel with him. It looks like he could come back at some point this month. We keep talking about it. You know, listen, they're not in the playoff hunt right now. But could they have turned the corner? Listen, three in a row. Good win last night. Schroeder playing well. Listen, at this point, you're just hoping for them to be in the play-in tournament. I don't think anyone's having any delusions of grandeur of them competing. But um, a good win last night. Brandon, your uh, your thoughts on that? Yeah, I thought it was a miracle. I mean, <laughs> I, I mean, you could have said the last thing I expected was the Lakers to even be close, much less win that, that game without LeBron and Davis, um, considering you know most of their players could be playing in Shanghai right now. 
you know, I hate to say it. I mean, it's just they, it's, that's what happens when you pay three guys 46 plus million dollars per year, right? Yeah. You don't have the roster construction flexibility. You know, we talk about Rob Palenka. Yeah, he could have done a better job with the roster. At the same time, he had so many financial constraints with Westbrook giving getting $47 million. Westbrook's been good for them, but not for $47 million. Right? If he was making $10 million, it'd be a whole different situation. You would welcome him with open arms. We'd be talking about him being like one of the best bench players in the league, which he is this year, but he's making 47 million. Lonnie Hurt, Reeves has been playing well after that rough stretch the past couple of games. Dennis Schroeder, I mean, we knew Dennis Schroeder was good when he has the ball in his hands. I mean, he's a ball-dominant guard. When he has the ball in his hands, he's good. As long as he's not shooting threes, he's great because he can get to the rim, create. Even Beverly's been playing good defense. Look, they've won three games. It's really a miracle. I I mean, if I'm the Miami Heat, they should just quit this season. I mean, you have Jimmy Butler, Tyler Hero, and Bam Adebayo against a Dennis Schroeder and Russell Westbrook-led Lakers, and you lose. That is, I'm sorry, Eric Spolstra, they need to be doing push-ups for like 20 days straight. That is ridiculous. You can't allow that to happen with that level of talent. I know they were struggling, but they just dominated the Clippers the other night. Yeah, You know what I'm saying? I know no Kawhi, but still, I mean, and then you lose to the late. I mean, it just makes no sense to me, but their schedule is a little easier if they can welcome Davis back soon. I'm sure LeBron will come back for this Hawks game tomorrow because I know he was probable before the... Um, before the game yesterday, and you know, then he had that. The, I mean, Kawhi and him both this non-COVID interesting illness. That's right. I mean, it's weird. I, I think it's probably load management, but they say it's some non-COVID illness. I mean, maybe they had a little cold, but I mean, the flu is going around. Yeah, but but at the same I don't think time, it's the flu. He'd be no, out more at, than a game. But at the same, but at the same, no, you'd be out like two days. Like, I mean, take, it depends if they have a back-to-back. But yes, go. Yeah, yeah go. Uh, but yeah, no, I mean. <sighs> Here's the thing. Kawhi is going to be Kawhi, guys. We're just, we just all have to come and learn to accept it. I mean, it. But I it mean it's like, been how many years that he's been doing this? I mean, but we saw the memes about LeBron being the prophet, knowing years in advance of certain things, right? The Like, oh, I knew Migos was great before that. I like and, that he's leaned into this, by <laughs> the way. He, like, he's oh totally... Like, well, but, then he sits out and they win. It's a miracle. Yeah. So he gets a day of rest and they actually win a big game. And they have the Hawks. Then they have the... Um, the Kings, those are two tough games, but they're on a three-game win streak, and they're 17-21, and 21, and the fact of the matter is, are they a good basketball team? No, but when they have Davis and LeBron on the court, they have a 50-50 chance to win every single game, and that's yeah. just a plain fact because of the dominance of their players. So will they welcome AD back next week? That's something we have to take in advance. They, it's going to be tough for them if they lose both to Atlanta and and Sacramento because they have the Nuggets on on Monday. Yeah, and then they have the Mavericks and Sixers. That's a brutal stretch. But after that, it gets a little easier with the Rockets, a couple of bad teams. So we'll see what happens. I know Grant teased something that 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 there's something going on with the Clippers. Now I, yeah. I don't know whether you touched on it on your guys' podcast or he touched on it when he came on. Uh, what does Grant think, or, or what, what do you guys think is wrong with the Clippers right now? I mean, I talked about this. Ga wasn't in yesterday when we when we were talking about this with Armand and Tim Lee, and Tim is always going to go to his grave standing up for the Clippers. <laughs> but I said I don't understand why Reggie Jackson and John Wall are playing at the end of games. Their liabilities defensively. I don't care how what they bring offensively they just simply are you could play pg at point guard wait a minute you think reggie's a liability yes this year (laughs) this year (laughs) just because he brings energy doesn't mean he's an elite defender pbev brings energy you know what i'm saying i beg (laughs) to disagree on that one but okay uh, but but at the end of the game okay but also he's also a liability offensively right now so even if he is isn't enough if somehow if he's he's better defensively these past couple games but i've been watching him he hasn't looked good that that's beside the point what, what the fact of the matter is, they extended Rocco, right, two years, 21 million, 
whatever, right? Great player. One of the best defenders perimeter in the league still. I know he's getting a little older, but he still is. They don't play him at all. Terrence Mann has the highest true shooting percentage on the team, 61. They barely play him. Thankfully, he got some minutes the other day. But and then Marcus Morris at the end of the game, his shot selection is terrible. And you're like, why is he taking that shot? And he makes it, and then he misses four in a row. It just seems like the rotations are off. Like, I love Kennard. I love when he's in there yeah. for threes. I love Batum. Batum's a winning player. PG and Kawhi are winning players. And then, like, Zub, I mean, even if you want to go to that small lineup, which I know they've said, they need to put, they need to play Robert Covington more. And that their problems are fixed. If they play Robert Covington and man a lot of the minutes, take out Wall and Reggie in big game situations. I know Reggie half the time makes this great shot, and we're like, oh my gosh, Reggie Jackson, he's, he's amazing. He makes, when he, especially against the Lakers, man, that guy turns into Jesus against the Lakers. But, I mean, most games, he's just been a liability, Jihei. There's no denying that late in the game. Yeah, I just, I, I don't know. Like you, like you said, energy is huge. It for, is for for your team to get you pumped, fired up, whatever the whatever the case may be. But I do agree with you with Terrence Mann. He does need to get a little bit more playing time and like, figure it out, make it happen. He needs to get some more PT. Like, I, but I, I, they're not, Morris they're there, not a team that has to make a move, right? I mean, no. when you look at no. Yeah, no. so I mean, so it would help the because they are going to get drilled by a team with uh, like Jokic um, inside. Because besides Zubac, they have no other bigs. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? That's the only issue. Do you go get another five, right? Because Hardenstein was that guy. He was great for them. And now yeah. he's on the Knicks. He's thriving off the bench. And they, they lost him. You know? Well, the problem is that they have that rookie that they're not playing. Which I'm just like, yes, which but he's only like 6'10". That's the thing. Yeah, and complete, again, completely understandable. I get why they're not playing him. But, like, you know, and I agree with you, Brandon. I think that we do need to, the Clippers do need to go out and get a bigger man. Like, they need to get another big man, like a backup. Because case. this is where I attribute it to. Remember the Lakers and their run? Um, it feels like centuries ago, but it was just three years ago when they won the <laughs> championship. And for a series... They didn't play Dwight, right? They didn't play. They they, yeah. they played just JaVale. They didn't. They didn't even play JaVale or Dwight in a couple games. You know what I'm saying? It's like. They, they, but they, do you feel like they really needed him at the time? For certain series, they had to play the bigs more, right? Yeah. And they the, the the reason why that Lakers team won, other than LeBron and Davis's greatness, was the positional versatility they had. Yeah. They had multiple guys that were centers that could come off the bench and play big against bigger teams like the Nuggets. But when they played the Rockets, they didn't play. Uh, Dwight or, you know, a smaller team. They didn't play Dwight when PJ Tucker was playing center. Yeah. They didn't play Dwight or JaVale, right? So that's what the Clippers need some of that more because they have the wing stop. We talk about it. They're not even playing Robert coming in. Trade him for a big if you're not going to play him. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. We do have some good news, though. And listen, it's been a crazy time uh, here in uh, sports. And, and sometimes we don't even want to talk about sports because we're ta- talking about like real life things. Damar Hamlin, amazing news. He is awake and has been holding hands with his family in the hospital. Again, first step to a long road to recovery. But that's the big thing is that he is on the road to recovery. And the fact that the news came out today that he is awake and holding hands with his family in the hospital. Amazing news. Um from a football perspective, it does seem like the league is leaning towards not resuming that game. It does seem like, listen, at, at the very least, the fact that DeMar is now awake, because when you looked at the the faces of the Bills players, they had thought that they lost their, their teammate. And, and again, listen, he was in critical condition. And so the fact that now he's awake, holding hands with his family, huge news, um... The league is in a unique position. A, the league doesn't even want to touch this subject because they yeah. got killed. They 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 got um, the, the the bad press. You don't even want to like, but they um, for 
taking time to decide whether or not to play the game or not. They got destroyed for that. So they're really not publicly talking. However, when people like Adam Schefter talk, take that for what it is, because again, Schefter's talking to league officials. One of the unique things that they have talked about, and I want to get your guys' viewpoint on this, is perhaps playing the conference championship game meant like at a neutral site, which they've never done before. Uh, but again, this really does affect the seating because if that game is a no contest, yeah, it's then a, the Chiefs it runs through Arrowhead Stadium, 100%. right? 100%. So this affects a lot of things. And again, as we said, uh, on Sunday, Monday, moving forward, this is not the focus. But listen, at some point, it's a conversation that needs to be had. At, at some point, we're, we're going to be playing games on Sunday, and and this is the last weekend of the season, and we're going to have to figure out who's going to go where and who's going to play who. Um, how does this all play out? A, like I don't know when the league will actually officially say something, but I'm I'm certain that they're talking to the Bills, and I'm sure they're yeah. talking to, to the Bengals. There's no way that they return to Cincinnati to play that game. I think it's just too soon to play that particular game. And A, do you want to play that game at a neutral site? They, Does I, it start I, from 7-3? Yeah, I, you know, I, like, I, I don't know what I, you I do would, there. I would assume that they're just going to cancel this game. I think, oh, percentages. man. But then that's, so, that's that, that then they just give the Chiefs like a clear path to the it, Super Bowl. Yes, but I mean, all things considered, there are more there are bigger things in life than than. It's true, hundred percent. So, and I know, like, some people are going to come out at us on that, and other people are just. Most people are probably going to agree with us on this, but I, there are bigger things in life than like a guy's life is at stake. Guys, like, yeah. let's just let it go. Yeah. So I think that they're going to go on the percentages. I believe, right? That's how they're, they're going to the break it down. They're going to break it down percentage. with that, yeah, winning percentage yeah. Um, on the seating. And also, let's keep in mind, last season, a number four seed beat a number four seed, guys. So is you mean like, a number one seed? Sorry, Right, the Bengals beat the yeah. Sorry, the, the, a number the, one, a number one beating number four. Yeah, yeah beating number four. So, like, as far as seeding is concerned, do, do we really? Because a number four went got into the season. yeah. You know but what I, mean? I just so, think like there's there's so much um, you know hype for the Bills this season, and I do think they're the best team in the AFC, and I do think that if they were to win two plus games, they and I think they were going to come back and beat the Bengals, and I think they're going to win this weekend. They really deserve it at the same, and it's their player. But if, that's if, if they're, if no, 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 and I agree with you, and I think that they'll come out even more because of because of this. Yeah. They're going to come out stronger. They'll be motivated. But if you if you think about it, if they really are the best, they they'll will win at win. any side. So it does not yeah, matter. That's what happened with the Niners last year. I mean, they were one of the two best teams in the NFC. They won at the right time, and they beat Green Bay in Green Bay. They, you know, winners win right yeah. at the same time. Yeah. Which is why Grant tells me, oh, the Niners don't need the one seed, like. Take the two or three. If you're going to beat the Eagles, you're going to beat the Eagles, right? So let me now play a clip from you from Schefter. Again, the reason this is important is that the league is not going to come out uh, in common publicly uh, yeah. again. Right. Uh, but 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 when when Schefter speaks, you have to realize he's texting and talking to people in the league. Here's how he thinks this all plays out now. Number one, I don't think an educated guess that they're going to wind up replaying that Bills-Bengals game from Monday night. As mm. somebody said to me this past week, the game is bad mojo. It's time to leave it behind, move forward, not back. And I don't believe the league, under most circumstances, is going to wind up replaying that game. Now we get into the fact, okay, well, how does the league handle this? And there are many ideas that the league is kicking around and they now can go into overdrive knowing that doctors feel encouraged 
about DeMar Hamlin and where he's at in his recovery a few days after the tragic circumstances of Monday night. So when we go inside headquarters at Park Avenue in New York City, let me present a couple of scenarios that I think are under consideration and discussion. And I think they're a little bit different than a lot of people would have thought. One of them comes compliments of our Matthew Hasselbeck. And I want to credit him who came up with this idea. And I'm going to read it to you because he texted it to me yesterday. And I know the league has thought about this one. He said, you call the Bengals bills a tie. The number one seed gets the choice of home field throughout the playoffs or the bye. The number two seed gets whatever isn't chosen. So either a bye or home field advantage. That would be one scenario that I believe the league has talked about. The other one that I think might be even more viable and more discussed and might be the one that the league enacts before Saturday's game is this. If there is an AFC championship game in the end that involves teams that don't have the same amount of games played, where Monday night's non-result factors into who gets home field advantage, here's what I think the league would do. I think the league would say, we're not going to have any home field advantage this year. We're going to play the conference championship game on a neutral site. And Mm -hmm. so if it involves Kansas City, or Buffalo, or Cincinnati. How crazy would that be? All right, we are going to leave it there where we're going to come back and talk about this more with Nick Hamilton when we come back with the Mightier 1090 in Southern California, the fan in Las Vegas, and the Hawaii Sports Radio Network. We'll be right back with the Arash Markazi Show on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio. nothing more valuable it's what drives everyone to make the most of every moment we celebrate living large in the now in a city where time disappears we create experiences that electrify the soul and memories that will last forever we go big we go all night and here everyone is invited so get loose and get loud this is circa you'll have the time of your life This is the Arash Markazi Show on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio. Welcome back to the Arash Markazi Show presented by this morning Tribune on the Mightier 1090 in Southern California, the fan in Las Vegas on the Hawaii Sports Radio Network. Just as a reminder, if you have a question or comment, just want to win tickets to an upcoming game in Southern California, Las Vegas, or Hawaii, call our hotline 310-400-0340. All right, let's go out to the Circa Sports guest hotline right now and join our good friend Nick Hamilton. Nick, how are you? What's up, man? Happy 2023, the king of the wine tasting. Man, I am glad to be back here. I had my fill of red wine, uh, drinking my sorrows away after that Cotton Bowl. Uh, it's, a, it's, a, it's a long way to travel to watch <laughs> USC blow a 15-point lead in four minutes. Hard to do, Nick. Hard to do, but the USC finds a way to do it. Um, wait, well, listen, let's just start there. I know you were at the Rose Bowl, uh, but I know you were probably laughing at uh, me and the Duarte <laughs> being in the Cotton Bowl. Uh, listen... I, We've talked about how bad this defense is, but my goodness. I mean, listen, it, was, it wasn't just defense. It was all three facets of the game. Terrible special teams job. 
fumbling the ball away at the one yard line. I mean, that's crazy. That's hard to do. Uh, two terrible run calls up the middle when you're inside the one yard line. And then, of course, USC giving up two touchdowns late. Um, your thoughts? And then, I'll, like, what does USC have to do? Fool me once, <laughs> fool me twice, shame on me. I was not traveling to Dallas, Texas to watch these characters lose. <laughs> and I had, a, I had a feeling that because Tulane was a better team than people gave them credit for. They're not the flashiest team. Obviously, they're not in a, the big Power 5 conference. So a lot of people kind of just gloss over Tulane. But Tulane and their, and their conference is actually was really a good team this year, especially on defense and special teams, as we witnessed. Um, against USC, but I think besides Caleb Williams having an outstanding game, uh, I think he was incredible. You see why he, he's the Heisman Trophy winner this season. Uh, but listen, the Grinch who doesn't know defense, Alex Grinch, uh, needs to be immediately fired. His key card needs to no longer work at USC, but I know that's not going to happen because he got Lincoln Riley's boy. I, I know they're, 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 they're pals, they're buddies, but sometimes a budding friendship can be the end of something great. Um, and USC has to go buy a defense, go maybe dream one up in the lab. I don't know what the hell they have to do, but I tell you what, I'm gonna say this, and I'm gonna be, and I'm, it may not be the most popular opinion, but I think USC needs to start recruiting some guys from down south and then Midwest, some guys who have some speed, who are big but have speed. Like you see those guys at Alabama or Georgia or even at Michigan or Ohio State, um, or yeah, even at TCU. You got to get some guys that to be fast in the interior, but big enough to hold off. And you're going to have to get some tall corners and safeties to be able to hang with your opponents because you only have one more year left in the Pac-12. And then you you cross over to the Big Ten, which is a, a major conference, probably the second best conference in football next to the SEC. And so you're going to have to have some really heavy competition going into it. I cannot see Alex Grinch with this defense not get turned around. I cannot see Alex Grinch uh, not being left on the tarmac of the Pac-12 runway as they cross over to the Big Ten. Uh, Caleb Williams is going to have a phenomenal season, I think, next year if he stays healthy. But I don't see them winning a national championship in this current state of this defense, the way it's currently constructed, uh, the way they have been, put, been able to not put it together. Defense is absolute trash. Yeah, I mean, Nick, I mean, the, the, the two things that they told us about Lincoln when he got hired was, I mean, listen, of course, he's a genius on the offset on the um, offensive side of the ball. Your quarterback will be a Heisman contender, but defensively, terrible defense. And watch out for the big bowl games. I mean, that probably goes hand in hand with a bad defense. Lincoln Riley now one and four in bowl games. So we'll see how they get that straightened out. Nick, we did need to have some good news this morning and thankfully we got it in the in in the DeMar Hamlin. DeMar Hamlin last night he uh, he um, opened his eyes and gripped the hands of his loved ones. Great news. Um Nick, uh you know, listen, you you've covered the game for a long time. And we haven't had a chance to talk. I mean, what 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 was your feeling as you're watching that whole game play out? I mean, it was unbelievable. I mean, when I, I sat there and watched the game, and you know the way he just stood back up, you're thinking, okay, hell of a hit. Guy was tough, and then maybe like five or ten seconds later, he collapses. And you know, I was getting information fed to me because I knew some people that were out there, so they were feeding me a lot of the information that was going on before the news circuit you know, pretty much got a hold of it. So I was able to kind of put some information out there. And the remarkable 
out, you know, overwhelming concerns by people from different backgrounds, different races, genders, people that weren't even into sports. But they knew about this young man, uh, DeMar Hamlin, and the fact that his charity has raised almost $7 million now, which is absolutely incredible. I mean, people like Tom Brady and Russell Wilson have donated to his charity. Um, countless other people have donated to his charity. Um, the fact that, I mean, thank God he's recovering. Um, he's, you know, he has his eyes open, as you mentioned. He's grabbing hands. Um, there's, no, there's also been no damage to his nervous system. That was also a test that came back. Um, there's no damage to his nervous system. I think there's still... Uh, running tests as far as his, his brain activity um, and making sure that there's no brain damage uh, because uh, he had to be resuscitated twice um, after that, that tragic injury. Um, I hope he makes a full recovery. I think this is a very strong young man. I think this is a young man that, that is resilient. I mean, he was told, you know, he probably wouldn't make the NFL because of, you know, certain things that went on. And the fact that he divided the odds then, I think he's going to continue to divide the odds now. And I wish him all the best. And I would love to see him uh, back in his fullness. Um, you know, and whether he plays football again or not, obviously is irrelevant at this point. We just want this young man to have a full, healthy, and, 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 and wholesome life uh, as he progresses. For a 24-year-old young man to go through something like that uh, is absolutely incredible. Um, but there's no way to make the NFL any safer. Um, that's like saying that, Hey, how can we make how can we make a a drunk driver uh, safe on the roads if he's drunk? You yeah. know what I'm saying? Like it doesn't make sense. It's just part of the it's part of the game. Injuries happen, unfortunately, um, and we, but we've never seen anything like it. I mean, when I first saw it, it, it brought me back to when I was a kid uh, looking at Hank Gavins. Yeah, uh, yep. when he shot those free throws, and then immediately when he got to mid court collapse, and unfortunately, he didn't wake up. Thank God this young man, because of medical technology, I believe since that incident and medical technology um, have improved enough where they can know what to do in those types of situations. And I give a lot of credit to the Buffalo Bills uh, medical staff, as well as the Cincinnati Bengals medical staff and the EMTs who are also on scene and, and being at the hospital was so close to the stadium. And those great folks over at the University of Cincinnati Hospital that worked on this young man for countless hours. Um, you know, my hat, those are, to me, those are also the heroes that need to be recognized as well. Um, and also, too, I think everybody should be praying and, and, and lifting up T. Higgins uh, yeah. because there's no idea what that young man is going through and what he's feeling mentally. Uh, we all know T. Higgins didn't do this, do this, that hit intentional. He wasn't trying to har uh, harm or damage yeah. you know, DeMar Hamlin. And I'm glad that people are also reaching out to T. Higgins as well because he has a no look, man. It was an accident. It was just a. It was a. It was a football hit. Um, no matter what Bart Scott tries to ensue or insinuate about T. Higgins, it wasn't T. Higgins' fault. Um, it was just an unfortunate football play that resulted in what it resulted in. But thank God, uh, Demar Hamlin is, is getting better, and he continues to improve. And again, we're all pulling for Demar Hamlin. 
Nick, we uh, played a clip from um, Adam Schefter before the uh, break. Again, the league has not come out. They got absolutely destroyed for taking so much time to postpone the game. Um, they really haven't talked publicly. Uh, it is Schefter's point of view that they will not resume that game. Therefore, uh, they will call it a either a tie or a no contest, uh, probably the, the same thing. Um, one of the things he brought up was perhaps the conference championship game being at a neutral site. Again, the number one focus is on the health of the Mar Hamlin, but if you know, it looks like he's doing well or recovering, there will be games played, obviously, this weekend. It's the last weekend of the season. Your thoughts on kind of the league trying to, res- you know, it's not going to be normal, but, I mean, th- there will be games played this weekend. The playoffs start the week after that. Your, your thoughts on how the league has handled this A and B, perhaps one of the conference championship games being held at a neutral site. Well, here's the thing. I think, you know, when you look at it overall, I think the NFL did what they could what they could do. I don't think in the beginning they understood the severity of Dar, Dar, uh, DeMar Hamlin's injury. Um, but here's the thing. I mean, th- that game does not need to be resumed. For what? For what purpose? Yeah. Right? I mean, the players weren't there. They were distraught. Um, you made your money. You sold your tickets. You, you got your advertisements in. So the, the NFL is not hurting here yeah. financially, right? Secondly, um, morally, there's no reason to play this game. Yeah. Call it a tie, call it a draw, and you move on, right? Um, and listen, you have to get, obviously, you have to resume back to, to normal schedule activities. I hope the NFL, and I said this in a tweet, I hope the NFL provides mental therapy services for the Cincinnati Bengals as well as the Buffalo Bills moving forward because those players are going to need all the mental support they can get, all the mental help, uh, therapy, everything. They're going to need it all. Um, So I hope the NFL is at least providing that. I have not heard it publicly, but I hope behind the scenes they are. Um, and then, you know, as far as the conference games go, they'll figure it out. They'll figure out what's best and they'll go on and people will continue to watch the NFL. People will continue to cheer for their favorite teams and people will continue to be a Super Bowl. So I don't, I don't think you could point the finger at the NFL. I think you did. The NFL did what they felt it was what they needed to do. Um, I applaud the NFL for not trying to reschedule the game, like on a Thursday night, you know, two days or, you know, three days after this, this, this tragic incident happened. Um, they, you know, the, the the players and the coaches, it was pretty much left up into their hands on what they wanted to do, I think, which was, was, was the right thing to do. The NFLPA supported them, um, and the NFL went along with it. So, I mean, what can you? how can you point the finger at the NFL? I mean, what else were they supposed to do, honestly? Yeah. Um, Nick, Brandon Deutsch here. I know I haven't been on Thursdays in a long time. I'm excited to talk to you. Um, I know. I haven't been avoiding you. Don't worry. It's just Thursday's been my day off. I thought you was a bill collector. You treat me like I was a bill collector. I know. I'm I'm, I'm scared of this uh, obliteration of takes. My takes just by you. Just you obliterate them. No, I wanted to ask you about, I ask this question to guests every single week. And I know DeMar Hamlin's health is number one. And we hope that he continues to feel better. At the same time, I wanted to ask who your top five teams in the NFL are 
going into this final week? Um, I think you definitely have to look at the Kansas City Chiefs. I think you have to look at the San Francisco 49ers. Uh, obviously, the Eagles. If they, if, and, and also, too, here's the bigger question. Now, do you, do you put Jalen Hurts in the starting position this week because now you know you have to win or you're going to completely trick off an opportunity to have the number one seed in, in home field throughout the playoffs? Um, especially with, you know, the, 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 the Niners and the Cowboys all on your net. Um, I think you have to look at the Cowboys as well. Uh, but also, too, in the AFC, I think you, depending on the mentality of the Buffalo Bills, I think you still have to consider the Buffalo Bills a team. I think you have to look at the Cincinnati Bengals. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. Um, the Chargers could make a move. It, you know, they could make a move depending on where they end up finishing in, in the seating. If they finish fifth, obviously they will probably face either Jacksonville or Tennessee, which I think they can. They, that's a winnable game for them. But after that, you're going to have to face one of the big three, either Cincinnati, Kansas City, or Buffalo on the road. And that's not; those are not easy places to play. Um, so those are my teams. I know you said five, but those are my teams that I, I kind of have to look at right now. Nick, you brought up the Cowboys um, that obviously you do have to look at them, and I, I agree with that. But at the same time, you have – um, them and Philly right now um, competing for the first place in the NFC East right now. Who wins it after this week? I mean, it depends. Like I said, it depends on if Jalen Hurts starts. If yeah. Jalen Hurts can start and he can play at a pretty decent level, I think you have to go with the Eagles. But that's not again. you got to remember this, too. Yeah, that's in the NFC East. But a number one overall in the NFC, the San Francisco 49ers still right. have an opportunity to get it done. And so I think you have to look. Everybody wants to clown, you know, Purdy. But Purdy's looking real Purdy these days by up under center because nobody gave that man, a, a, a young man, an opportunity to win a game. Um, after Jimmy G went down, everybody said, oh, man, okay, they don't have a quarterback. Oh, you'll get Mr. Irrelevant as your quarterback? Yeah, good luck with that. Well, good luck indeed because the San Francisco 49ers, even though they, they battled it out against the Las Vegas Raiders in Vegas this past week, they still got the W and they still made it happen. But that defense is definitely going to be, I believe, the determining factor for the 49ers as they move inch closer and closer to try to appear in a Super Bowl this season, this year uh, in Arizona. Uh, Nick, you will be covering the College Football National Championship game. The game is on Monday. Um, I think most people thought TCU would not be in the game. I'm excited that they're there. I think it's it's fun when a new team is in there. Uh, but we're going to have a lot of rain. Again, it's covered. People that don't understand about SoFi, it's covered, but it's not fully covered. So we will, we're going to get some wind. Some fans in certain sections will get probably wet. But, um, Nick, your, your thoughts on this college football playoff national championship game at SoFi, TCU versus Georgia. Well, first of all, I mean, who would have thought TCU, an unranked team before the season even began, uh, would have made it all the way to the national championship? I, uh, Raj, you've been to Vegas. You, you're the king of Vegas. <laughs> you know, if you'd have put some money down, I wish you'd have told me, man, we could have put some money down oh, on yeah. TCU. We could have paid. We could have paid for some stuff, man. But <laughs> I mean, it's it's a remarkable story. I mean, Sonny Dyke, you know, his 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 story of redemption on the sidelines. You know, you know, I was never a Sonny Dyke fan as a head coach. Uh, especially when he was at Cal with, with your man, Jerry Goff. <laughs> um, <laughs> right. But, I mean, he's definitely showcased the fact that, hey, man, he can, if he has the right pieces in place, this man can coach. Um, 
and he was the underdog the entire season. And so why should anything change now? So I, I think it's a great story of redemption. I think it's a great story of faith and a testament to their determination and willingness to get the job done at all costs. Um, they went into hostile territory in the college football playoff against a very strong number two Michigan team, or at least that's what it would be. Uh, once again, Jim Harbaugh chokes uh, in the big game. And then Georgia, you know, got a great scare against Ohio State. They were one field goal away from remaining in the state of Georgia um, and not playing for a national championship and defending their championship. So I think it's going to be a great game. I know that I, I think uh, at the start of it, I think they were like 13 and a half or 12 and a half point favorites, but I'm, I'm sure that line's going to drop some as we get closer uh, to Monday night. But I expect a great game. I expect TCU to come out. Uh, they're playing with house money. They have nothing to lose and everything to gain. I think the most pressure is on Georgia to defend their national championship. Georgia has not looked the best, especially in the final you know, five or six weeks of the season, um, especially in the college football playoff. But like I said, they almost got a scare from Ohio State. Um, so I think they're going to have to come out and really set the tone early uh, behind Stetson and making sure that they, they go ahead and continue to compete at a high level if they want to continue to be national champions once again. Yeah, Nick, I mean, one month off makes a huge, huge difference, I think, for both teams, right? It doesn't, I don't think either either way, taking all that rest, it's a, it's a lot. Um, TCU is getting now 12 and a half points. Um, Georgia, obviously the favorite at 12 and a half. Um, I'm not, I'll tell you off, off uh, air what I took it at, but uh, what what are your thoughts as far as the spread on this one? Do you take TCU to cover? Do you um, are you like forget it? Like let's just do the <laughs> over. It's it's a lock at sixty two and a half. Um, or do you I, just take Georgia to win? It's interesting. I mean, you you you, you definitely want to bet the over. I mean, if you're going right. to bet, I think you would bet the over. But I think it's going to be a situation where there are going to be moments where I think it's ebbs and flows of the game. I think it's going to happen. You're going to showcase. I think it's going to start slow. I think I you know teams are going to have to try to figure each other out especially in the top part of that first quarter. But I think once everybody settles down and finds their rhythm, I think you're going to get, you know, you're going to get touchdown thrown. Um, but I think when it comes down to it, especially in the final quarter of the game, you're going to see a lot more defensive battles. And I, like I've always said, I think Georgia has a much better defense than they do have an offense. I think TCU probably is a more complete team as far as having a really good, solid offense as well as a really solid defense, um, especially special teams. So, um, you know, I expect Georgia to come out of this, but I would not be surprised if TCU pulls off the upset uh, with their magical season. I mean, we've seen teams go through it before. We've seen teams that we didn't think that were going to make it. Um, I, hey, last year so far, who yeah. thought that the San Francisco 49ers would lose to the L.A. Rams in the final quarter of the game, even though the 49ers <laughs> kicked the Rams' tail all season long? Don't give me PTSD, um, bro. <laughs> hey, you know what? The truth hurts, man. But I got a, I got a, I got a medicine for you. But <laughs> you know, it's just, it's one of those things. So I mean, it could go either way. But I'm, I'm expecting a good game. Um, I will be tucked away in the press box, so I ain't gonna worry about getting wet too much. That's right. <laughs> so I'm good. I will, uh, I will be there with Nick in the uh, press box and uh, it's a hard knock listen, life you guys live. <laughs> it's gonna, it's, it's gonna be good. But I agree. Listen, having watched TCU. They may not win. They're not going to get blown out. That That's my gut tells me that'll be a close game. It'll be a fantastic game. Again, happy for TCU to be there. We, we get Georgia like every year and like Alabama. But listen, 
Happy to have a new team in there. Nick, you're the best. I will see you on Monday. That's all the time we have for today. Let's do it again tomorrow. Until then, this is Arash Markazi saying stay safe and stay healthy. This is the Arash Markazi Show on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.